We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike, and we're recording amidst a crazy NBA morning of news, uh, news that Kawhi is out with an ACL injury for at least tonight's game and perhaps longer. Uh, news of Chris Paul entering health and safety protocols, uh, Scott Brooks being let go, Jeff Van Gundy being let go. But Stan, as Stan Van Gundy. Uh, uh, thank you, Stan Van Gundy being let go. But as basketball lovers, we would be remiss to not uh, give Kevin Durant his flowers for an all-time great playoff performance last night in the last pod Darius we were talking about the value of shot making I was really making the case for that and I was watching re-watching Kevin Durant's shots from the game again in his game five against the Bucks. and let me read off to you the moves that he pulls off on just his first five shots right so first one he's on the right wing up against Chris Middleton he does a front-to-back crossover right as Middleton reaches in and then hits a pull-up jumper going left Next play, he's getting ball ball pressure by P.J. Tucker. He rips through high, and it's a two-dribble pull-up into an and-one going right. Then the next shot is a, a hard plant with his right foot. As he dribbles the ball behind his back, he gets uh, – who was the defender on that? I think it was Joe Harris on that. Harris is completely rocked back on his heels as he pulls it back, hits a three right in his eye. Then the next play, a jump stop out of an, a sideline inbounds out of uh, a sidelines out of bounds play. D inbound pass catches it and jump stops in all in one motion. hits a turnaround jumper over his right shoulder. The next play, he gets a post up on the right block and hits a, a turnaround jumper over his left shoulder. These are the execution of these high level moves by Kevin Durant, when we talk about the value of shot making, there is probably no better shot maker in the league than a prime Kevin Durant. And the moves he was pulling off last night, before we get into, he had a complete dominance, right? That wasn't the only way that he dominated that game. But just talk to me, D, about the just 
unbelievable shot making in his game last night. I mean, he's Kevin Durant, right? Like there was so much noise, right, about and this is talking head stuff. And so like I hate to go down that road too much because every day I feel like there's the content stuff and these like the content gods, they like they need to be fulfilled. Right. And so everyone's offering sacrifices to the content gods every day to sure. please them. Right. And, and so every day there's takes and there's takes and there's takes and there's takes. But one of the takes that but irritated me the like, most. There's so much beautiful. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. But one of the takes that irritated me the most was the idea that like Kevin Durant needed to prove something to people. As if he's not actually Kevin Durant. Right. And so we have the object permanence of fruit flies, man. Like like he goes in off season or two or a couple seasons without doing it. And everybody forgets who he is. Well, no, it's more to me. It's more the fact that like the path that he's taken in his career for too many people has obscured how good he actually is. Mm, Right. And it's like there's a putting of value on things that don't that don't actually matter if you're a fan of actually watching basketball. If you're a fan of the story, then then the story of him making a super team in Golden State and leaving the Thunder or the story of him joining Kyrie and then getting hardened to join the Nets. Those stories sort of supplant the idea of how good he is as a basketball player. And, And so he is the most honestly, and this is someone who adores Kobe Bryant, who grew up watching Michael Jordan play. He is probably the most technically proficient scorer that the league has ever seen just because his jump shot is so pure and, and and he's so big and his handle is so good that there is really nothing he can't do as an offensive player on, on the basketball court. And Mike, we were having a conversation the other day offline, like off of the pod, And we were sort of talking about the prospects of what this series was going to look like moving forward. And this was just on the heels of Kyrie spraining his ankle. And the Bucs had really started to look like they were figuring some things out with the Nets in game four. And now it's 2-2. And yes, Brooklyn's going back home, but Harden wasn't supposed to play in in game five at this point Kyrie's got a sprained ankle where it's just like oh my goodness stop showing us the damn replay right it looks so so horrific and the idea was what are the Nets going going to do like Kevin Durant is going to need to go bonkers and you basically sort of push back and be like yeah guess what Kevin Durant (laughs) can go bonkers like I could see Mm -hmm. him scoring 50 points and like leading the Nets to to a victory. And so not to call you, you, you know, Nostrum Mike or I, like I don't got a good way to 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 frame it here. And obviously Kevin Durant being good, like not breaking news. Right. But the idea that he was capable of this, you were sort of talking to us about like, hey, man, that's Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so like talk to us some about like what you were thinking even heading into this game about what was possible and then to see it sort of come to fruition the way that that it did. Yeah, I was slightly annoyed that he missed that free throw in the final minute. <laughs> but he also played 48 minutes, which is a separate discussion that I did not like. 
And that obviously helped his point total grow. But the rest of the numbers that were there, and you guys mentioned it off the top, uh, just the rebounding, the passing was brilliant. Uh, he The stocks, he had an Anthony Davis stocks day. So I just think that Kevin Durant, before the Achilles, I don't think there was anybody questioning that he was right there with LeBron. And I like I always I've had LeBron number one and that is that that didn't even change after KD got finals MVP um, over the Cavs. I still thought that LeBron overall brought more to the table by a bit. And but Kevin Durant was two. He's and he's been two. like he's been that guy. And the, the thing that had a chance to change that was the Achilles injury. And that I think so, Pete, I don't think it's that people forgot how good he was. I think that we haven't seen somebody return to absolute peak best player Great in the point. league form after that kind of an injury. And we just mm. want to see it. And in the regular season, we saw him play 35 games. That's right. it. And so and yet I watched Kevin Durant play in the preseason two games in December. And that was enough for me to pick the Nets to win the East just just because he looked like Kevin Durant. The caveat was, okay, can he stay healthy? And then he didn't fully. He had the hamstring strain, and that's always a concern. And it's still a concern for me that he can go, like, he can't play 48 minutes of bet. Even the great Kobe Bryant couldn't play 48 minutes game after game after game after game after game. Uh, that was the point where he tore his Achilles. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be playing 42 or 44, but I just, I, I don't know. That's that's the part that concerns me moving forward. But as to what his skill level is and as to how he's moving with his body and how fluid he looks and the skills and all of that stuff is there. And he is the best player in the playoffs now by a lot, uh, I think. And, of course, LeBron is watching at home and in gladiator memes ensue. And LeBron will be back next year. But for now, Kevin Durant's the best player. And I just hope that they can manage his load and his minutes properly moving forward here so that it, as Pete, you started the pod, it's like we're just dropping like flies right now with injuries. It's so that's sad. The, that's the thing that, I, that I, I'm just really knocking on wood that doesn't keep happening. Yeah, it's it's been such a brutal season. I hope, I hope that regardless who your fan allegiances are, that we can all agree that we want the best players to play in the highest stakes games, right? And this this playoffs is I mean, we're not even out of the second round, and you know more stars have missed a game and been hurt than have actually played in in these playoffs. So, um, with respect to Durant coming back, you're right. I'm incorrect in saying people forgot how good Kevin Durant was. It's just the the narrative is just so in the moment, like you know whatever's happening right now is so at the forefront that. Things that happened not that long ago can, I think, be easily skimmed over. No question. What no makes question. what makes Durant what makes Durant sustainable is a combination of his physical tools and his technical proficiency. Um, one guy I always think of in terms of technical proficiency is like C.J. McCollum, right? Who's a smaller player who doesn't have a ton of athleticism, but he really knows how to hard plant, front to back cross, you know, all of the technical stuff that I would love in the next five years there to be more of an emphasis on the moves that these guys are making. And that's why I really wanted to talk KD on on this level in particular, because Darius, he's executing a high level eighth degree black belt kung fu master type of moves while being seven feet tall and the thing that i 
I don't want to say that he's taken a massive leap in this respect, but his ball handling, like you pointed out, helps yeah. him get into these moves and create space. Like when you've got that type of wingspan and that release point and you're creating space, I don't know how Budenholzer didn't, Budenholzer didn't double him. Like it, you got to get the ball very, out of his hands. But anyway, very Sam Mitchell in the 81 point game. Oh, like effort mate, from mate, somebody from else there. beat you. Well, especially with those other guys who are on the court. Right, right. There was a lot of why is Giannis not guarding him, and I I thought that was besides the point. Uh, One, in part because Giannis doesn't – Giannis moving his feet laterally isn't quite as good on the perimeter as I think some people think, and Durant's just going to cross him over a couple times and rise up and shoot a jumper to the side anyway, so you may as well have Giannis off the ball. Plus, P.J. Tucker, that's what you want. You want physicality in his body. So I didn't think that was the move. I thought Pete's point – like, yo, get the ball out of his hands. You have to be able to trap on the perimeter in this game. It's funny. We talk about the modern game a lot, but a lot of t- the times when we talk about the modern game with respect to shooting, we don't realize that's five years ago. That's about half an NBA generation ago. And it's always cool. I've seen this throughout my entire life in the NBA is that offense will make it an innovation and then defense will is the trailing indicator in order to guard that and you're seeing more and more teams like the clippers with utah and, and mitchell trapping on the perimeter and the double teams of the olden days where you used to double team in Olajuwon or kareem or david robinson down low on the block have moved out onto the perimeter well also too it's just like those old school double teams man of like yeah let's double one pass away like those right right. like those are gone right and then the evolution and then the the legalization and then implementation of zone principles right because of the defensive three second second rule versus the old illegal defense rule and the proliferation of like strong side zone principles in order to sort of decline driving angles and lanes and make guys shoot Right. Th- that was a thing. There's a we're level of sophistication that's like, yeah. And that progression of, oh, well, we're going to make you shoot. Oh, like, oh, you're going to make me shoot. Well, then guess what? I'm just going to shoot and I'm going to make and I'm going to get really good at and, shooting. And all of a sudden, I'm going to get really good at shooting. shooting. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now now we have more shooting. And so now you have to guard those those other places on the court. And guess what? Those strong side zone principles are not as good anymore because it's literally, you show me a second defender and I see where my open guy is on top of the key, opposite wing, opposite corner. It's just like, I'm going to set a, gonna gonna set make a pin screen shots. for him. Yeah, I'm going to set a pin screen for him to get him even more open. And now you've got a really good shooter who that's his thing. That's why he's in the NBA shooting that weak side three. And and so now then guess what? So now we solved your strong side zone and now we're going to drive that's more right. again. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like <clears throat> we've got all these tricks now to draw even more fouls and three point fouls. And now we're getting to mm-hmm. the lane more. And the analytics of that has always been true. But the ability to actually functionally build offense to get you to that point has been progressing. And we're there now. And player, players are now training toward the analytics, if that makes sense. Like they are like, oh, this if I'm a three point shooter, that one dribble pull up or that drive across the lane that wing guys will uh, make when they attack a closeout. They're 
players that are practicing an increasingly shrinking number of scenarios because these are the only types of shots they're getting in this very analytically informed league. Well, Pete, we as longtime Lakers fans, I used to love the ideas that it's like when Phil Jackson was the coach of the team. Guess what, man? He had power forward shooting that top of the key jumper. He had got, mm-hmm. like he had because the triangle was so dictative of the spots on the floor in which guys were typically going to get their shots from it allowed guys to train more and practice more towards the areas of the court in which they were going to be expected to be productive from and it wasn't Mm -hmm. it was only a handful of guys the michael jordans the kobe bryants the scotty pippins who where the expectation was, all right, well, yeah, you better learn, you better learn pinch post, you better learn elbow area, you better, like all of these spots on the floor were going to be areas where you needed to be proficient. And so that's why those guys were all court masters in in a certain sense. We're on a tangent now, back, like back to Durant. Durant is, he is so tech- you used the word tech, well, well, technically proficient, and like you mentioned, a guy like C.J. McCollum. But in and I don't want to like make this comp to Kobe Bryant, but but KD's explosiveness as a scorer and the types of baskets that he gets remi- do remind me of Kobe, even if aesthetically they're not really the same type of guy. It is an ability, Mike, to score. From outside the arc, like KD is a mid-range killer. He is a mid-range killer. And he will get you to spots of 15, 18 feet to shoot the pull-up J. And he is not known as a passer, right? But 10 assists this last game because he was drawing so much attention and making the right reads. And so I think I saw a stat last night that it was the first like f- f- some sort of f- like 45 plus point game while playing for 48 minutes since guess who Kobe Bryant in 2001 and so it was just a callback to me of the type of explosive scorer that Durant is it sort of surprised me that he'd never scored more than 50 in 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 a playoff game but but it it, it was just sort of like it was a callback to me of some of those Kobe games where it's just like, get get on my back. I've got the whole package and I'm going to do it tonight. Yeah, and there's also there's just a difference in the way that he is going to get to his 50 and Giannis is. And I think that these this yeah. series has showed just the difference in these players overall in the playoff context. And the series isn't over. Milwaukee has a good chance to win game six at home. I do think a lot of this depends on, okay, so Harden – for all the minutes that he played, he's he's going to hit some shots moving forward. Is he going to move a little bit better? Is the hamstring, is it tight? Is it that he doesn't trust it? I don't know. Is Kyrie going to come back? I You'd think it would be so, you'd be surprised if he came back certainly in game six, maybe game seven. So all of that still within the series itself is on the line. But this is why Kevin Durant was in that, that LeBron conversation. And I don't think Giannis has been. Um, despite what some might say about the regular season, because when you have to win in the postseason, there are certain basketball skills that you have to have. And there's only so many players that can do them. And it's not just on offense, it's on defense. 
And that was the game where where Durant again showed us because um, Pete, you're not wrong. Some people did forget. Uh, it's it's some people did forget, and he reminded. And that was great to see, um, just as a basketball fan. And it just puts the the Western Conference into context as well. And now the Clippers are going to have Kawhi, and Utah still doesn't have Conley at least for the game that we're going to watch tonight. Uh, but other than that, like Chris Paul, he now. Might be out. So all of these teams, unbelievable. Each team in the West is without a key player. Um, you'd say Utah may suddenly feel like they're in the driver's seat because they at least have the the biggest part of their core, minus the guy that they have played without some. But it's a this stuff has been changing every day, and we're gonna have to keep monitoring. But but again, just Kevin Durant is here, and let's just hope that they can they can control his minutes and his load to the point where he can sustain this. Yeah, that was just an all-time great performance. And with so much going on around the league, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I do want to get back to the Nets and KD and all of that, but that will happen over the course of a few pods, I think. We're going to turn our attention to the Kawhi news, the Chris Paul news, and just how that has a massive impact on the league, which is something that seems to happen every day now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. As Laker fans, we experienced this a few times this season. The last and fatal blow was with AD's injury, where you go from playing a certain way and from being built around 
something in particular to immediately having to change core tenets of what you do. And Darius, we're recording this before the game tonight with the Clippers in Utah in game five. Kawhi Leonard is going to be out at least for now. I, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old. The Clippers my entire life have had the worst luck. I'm not even like talking trash, no. right? And yeah. certainly a lot of it, a lot of it is, can be self-inflicted, right? But like, how do you lose a playoff game when Corey Brewer and Josh Smith go off from three? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. they've had some weird shit over the years that's happened. And their last two games of the regular season to uh, preserve their health, quote unquote, um, Aside, I thought they did a lot of things right this year. Like, I know I'm supposed to hate the Clippers, but I don't have those feelings as a Laker fan. I thought that they'd done a lot right this year, D. And to have something like this happen is just a killer blow. Is there anything that can be done off of that? I mean, look, Paul George, here you go, my guy. Like, look, I've Paul George has been playing really well, right? And but Kawhi has been even better than Paul George. And like you were talking about the Clippers, like I don't hate the Clippers. I I like to enjoy some of their foibles. Is I last is year probably, was hilarious. How last year went, I absolutely loved laughing at them last year. But like this year I felt like they've done like they've honored the game in, no, in ways I, that maybe they didn't last year. Well I think that if you go back through the archives of our pod this season I think that we've been pretty complimentary of mm-hmm. what their prospects were as a team this year. I think we had them as a top three team in the West the the entire year, despite what the records might say. I think we've consistently said that they were probably the biggest threat to the Lakers as a championship hopeful from the Western Conference. And it does start with Kawhi. And then it goes to Paul George, and then it goes to all of that versatility that they have on the wing, all those like-sized players. And losing Kawhi is brutal for them. Like, he is... We we talked a lot in one of the last pods about the success of Phoenix being predicated on having Booker and Paul on sort of opposite sides of... of the court and i think the suns do a really good job of utilizing the individual strengths of both of those guys to amplify each other right but paul george and Kawhi aren't necessarily like that but they do operate on different sides of of the court and, and they can space you in ways that allow each guy to to work in the ways that work best for them they're just not always amplifying each other Right. And so Kawhi's ability to sort of operate from that mid post area and then extend back out to three and just shoot the ball. And then now, Mike, he has incorporated a lot of that attacking of the rim that we were that we did not see a lot of during the regular season that that I think was one of the reasons why if there was a ceiling that we saw for them, it was based off the fact like, hey, man, this team doesn't get to the rim. They don't get to the foul line. And if you're going to win in the postseason, it can't just be, well, we're going to be mid-range killers the entire time and shoot a bunch of threes. Like, you have to threaten the basket. And Kawhi has been doing so much more of that 
this this postseason. And to his credit, so so yeah. has Paul George. And and to lose Kawhi now at this point for who knows how long, right? He's out for at least this well, well this game, but indefinite is sort of just like, well, damn, like, is it the playoffs? Is it two games? We really don't don't know. And I think the Clippers have to plan as if he's not going to be there for for a while. So what are you thinking about this? Like they are are you burying them without Kawhi? Do do you think Paul George and like some of the other role players can can step up and, and keep them hanging around in in this series? I know that your thoughts on Utah may influence this as well. I don't know for sure that and I don't know if anybody could that the Clippers were going to win that series, even if Kawhi Leonard stayed healthy. Uh, and, you know, it's going back to Utah, Utah, despite l- looking like the Clippers finally figured out how to play against them, which was to play small for the most part, uh, which was to go away from Gobert, uh, which was to shorten the rotation and actually play Terrence Mann. And so they had they had made some of the adjustments that I felt like had them. They were the better team and they had taken some control, but that didn't mean they were going to go into Utah uh, and win game five in a tough place to play. And then or that they were going to for sure close it out if they did in game six or if they were going to go. So I still think that it was relatively a toss up. And that's with Mike Conley pending. Um, Now we know Conley's not going to play in game five. So that was before the Kawhi news. And I do kind of feel like it's it's a it's a blow that I think makes Utah the very clear favorite to win this series. I don't think it's 100 percent. The Clippers are still good. Um, without Kawhi but they just it's the combination of the the loss of him in the rotation and all that he does as kind of that lead uh, attack player but it's also just the mental side of it that comes into the team that the Lakers felt after AD went out the second time where they are now and, and also because of their history and their playoff history it's just so difficult to then rally around that and think yeah we can we can win this series and we can beat the next we can win the next series I suppose that there are that what they're going to try to do is say, hey, look, Chris Paul, you know, might be out for Phoenix. Conley's still out. Like there are a lot of things around the league they can point to. Kyrie is out. Like, Ty Lue can have that speech. Hey, there isn't a team out there that's dominant right now. You guys can still do this. So they're, there's, they're going to try to instill that belief. But I just don't think it's enough uh, for all of, the, all of what Kawhi represents. Uh, Pete, I don't know if you, uh, if you want to hit that as well, but I think this is kind of a death blow. Um, unfortunately, and, and a devastating one for them, considering where they're at uh, right now and what the history is. Yeah, I think it is, too, because I think that even if you can conjure that will and belief that you were talking about, you have to learn how to play a different way. You have to fundamentally play differently when one of your stars go down. It, and we saw this a few times with the Lakers season with all of the injuries. There were several different versions of this team, right? There was the version where AD went down, but the rest of the team was relatively healthy. And then, uh, I'm sorry, no, AD and then Dennis went down right after that. And then there's the version where Dennis comes back, but still no AD. And then there's the version where LeBron goes down and we have neither guy. Then there's the version where AD comes back, but no LeBron, right? So there's all these permutations. And what happened almost every single time that that happened? We lo- we played poorly and lost the first few games of that. And then as that group played together longer, they built some more of that cohesion and consist- consistency that I'm always talking about. And they got better. And But it takes time. You have to, ha- have to be able to play together and – 
the version of this Clippers team that's built around Paul George that can maybe scrap out a game here or there at this level of basketball, Darius, I would argue they would need time to be able to build that. They'd need a month of playing that way, and they just don't have that luxury. So I agree. My only pushback against that idea with this specific team and this specific player is that Kawhi played 50 games this year or something like that, right? Or 55 games. Like he is a player who has missed games, who does sit out, who they do have game plans built out and and an idea of what the team should look like without this player available because it's sort of built into the calculus of what having this specific player on your team looks like. And so that would be my only pushback against that point. But the counter to that is you've lost him to injury this this time and there is the psychological blow that mike pointed to not not to mention that or on top of that it's the jazz and they're a good basketball team and this is the playoffs and it's the second round and right. it's doing all that on the fly five. like That's doing all it. that on yes. the fly it's like, and, do this thing we did two months ago right they may have done it a while ago but it's been a while since they played without Kawhi, and they certainly weren't playing at this level of stakes and caliber of ball well, also too, the game plans are so developed at this point, right? It, this exactly. isn't a random. Yes. This isn't a random Thursday in February, and a hey, Kawhi's taking a night off against the Pelicans. We're going to do this, right? It's it's like you have been building towards a game plan and something that works for a very specific team, and that specific team has been doing the same to battle against you. And the formula that they that they found, Mike, was so predicated on the unique strengths of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. He was the guy who was switching on to Gobert a lot. He was the one who was on the backside sort of making rotation decisions on on paint versus wing and and navigating that like a free safety, right? And, And he's their best rebounder. Right. And so how many contested rebounds do you see Kawhi sort of going in there for and swooping up to clean up defensive possessions? There's a lot of stuff that he specifically does that is the engine for what this team wants wants to do. And and losing that type of guy is equivalent to losing a LeBron or or an Anthony Davis. He is Kawhi Leonard. And so that's why I'm with you, Pete, on the point that that you made, but just wanted to hint at the counter to that, which is like, hey, like they do have contingencies built for missing this this specific player, but it's not the same when when it comes to this time time of the year. I think we can contrast it directly to Utah and then the Lakers and in this kind of a series and the Suns probably as well fit more into the Utah part of it. What they do on offense and defense for Utah is pretty scripted. It, you know what they're going to do, but they do it well and they can keep executing. Even if you're going to switch, sometimes Utah will still run their offense. And if you pull out a cog like Mike Conley, Joe Engle steps in, it looks a little different. Mitchell does some more of what Conley does, right? It, it is not as clean, but they can still do it and they can still defend in the same way. If you take LeBron or AD out of the Lakers offense, if you take Kawhi or Paul George out of the Clippers offense, it just can't by nature look the same because Kawhi, all four of those players are going to take 20 shots a game. And they're going to take shots in places that are difficult to make them unless you're a star. And now, so look look at their last game. Paul George takes 20 shots, Kawhi takes 19. Nobody else takes more than 11. 
not for the Clippers. And that was Marcus Morris. So now Morris has to take more shots. Reggie Jackson has to take more shots. Uh, coming in off the bench, right, it's going to be like Kennard or Terrence Mann. So these guys are going to have to somehow fill that load. They're not going to be able to do it as efficiently. And that's not even talking about the defense, which where Kawhi has been, you know, pretty impactful. So it's just a hard, it's just a hard thing to solve for them. And I, that's why, again, I think the three of us and, and everybody, everybody's going to, going to write them off. And can they rally around that and find a way? Sure. Utah's no juggernaut. I, you don't need me to say that. I've been speaking all year. About <laughs> Utah. Um, not, they're no juggernaut, but, and then like, and then Pete, maybe we should transition here to Chris Paul because depending on how long he's out, and we don't know. I don't know if this is the 10 to 14 day thing uh, for health and safety. Uh, we don't know. There are various reports that are out right now. But th- the bottom line is even if this series between the Clippers and the Jazz goes seven, he's going to miss at least the first several games of this of the conference finals. And we saw Phoenix against the Lakers even play a couple games where Chris Paul played like 15 to 20 minutes and campaign could stepped up. And they actually have some pretty good backup guards behind that. Like Javon Carter, I kind of like. You know, he, for sure. He was, he was wearing a, he, he, the thing about Javon Carter as a quick aside, he wears one pink Kobe and one Grinch. And oh. I don't know. I don't know how that like became his thing. I haven't seen any other player do it. I can't lie. I do think it's kind of dope. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do kind of like you, it. You got to um, find a way to ask him about that uh, next year when you have increased yeah. access. Uh <clears throat> Yeah. So, so that is so that. But anyway, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm not I'm also not going to dismiss Phoenix having a chance to stay because with Utah, not 100 percent. But Utah becomes to me, I guess this is the bottom line, becomes the favorite now, um, thinking that they'll get they now have time if they can get past the Clippers to get Conley back potentially before the Suns could get Chris Paul and Chris Paul, where the way that he's playing right now would be the best player in that series. Uh, with you know Devin Booker, that's a whole kind of another argument. I I, I don't know. De- so a, a little a little pushback to that. So yeah. Chris Paul is rightfully lauded for bringing a level of competitiveness and organization and bringing a certain culture to the team. There's also a certain degree of having played them in a seven game series and lost. There's a certain degree of where I think that that's gone too far in that direction where it's like Devin Booker hits some wonderful shot and drops 18 and a quarter. And it's like, look at how wonderful Chris Paul is for teaching this to Devin Booker. And it's like, I'm watching Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton kick our asses. And like, I appreciate CP3's contribution to the overall part of it. But Darius, I don't think that Phoenix potentially losing CP3 is the same as Kawhi. It's huge. Don't get me wrong. But I think that there is more to fall back on than, say, the Clippers have. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That said. They're both all NBA second teams, right? They are. Are you, are you telling me, though, that 6'2", six, 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 Chris Paul is, uh, no, is the same as a Kawhi, though? Well, but Pete, so f- physically, and, and let, Darius, I'll kick this right back to you. I'm like – I, you heard the hesitate the hesitation in my voice in clearly picking Paul over Booker. I've kind of gone back and forth all year, sure, right? For sure. But but Chris Paul, what you we cannot just line him up with Kawhi and say, okay, one guy's hands are this big, one guy's this tall. Chris Paul's mentality does make a much bigger difference than Kawhi's or lack thereof, and and but that who, and he has to be on the floor to do that. And he and Kawhi is not a leader. 
um, in playoff series in the way that Chris Paul is. So I'm he's getting that's why he's getting those points for when Booker plays well and for when Aiden plays well because it's real. I, I'm not saying he's a better player, but including the men, the leadership aspect that he brings, that that's where the value becomes closer. All of that being true, is there no one that illustrates your point of small guards, no matter how good they are, have a, a limited ceiling in come playoff time? Or am I misunderstanding the point that you make when you say that? No, I, so I think so. I think that Chris is along with I mentioned John Stockton the other day, and to an extent Steve Nash. Uh, they they are skilled enough, and Darius was making this point to overcome some of the small guard thing. And smart enough, skilled enough. Now, you ultimately still, at the end of the day, in a series, of course, that's the different. Like, of course, he is not on that big wing level. But I don't think Kawhi is on Kobe and Durant and LeBron's level completely because there's something there that he has lacked as a leader um, that those guys come through. He doesn't he doesn't speak in the same. So that's I'm just I'm I'm not there are almost two separate points. And we could probably go mm. a long time on that. So let me kick for it back. Sure, for sure. I'm just I'm just trying to recognize what Chris Paul has done to transform Phoenix, even while acknowledging that Devin Booker's skill set in key playoff games like becomes, uh, you know, becomes a little bit more valuable in terms of shot making and all that. And uh, defensively, though, Chris like Chris is great on defense. And so that's again, that's the, he yeah. kind of he's a counter sure. to the typical six one guy where like Donovan Mitchell isn't impacting that much. Chris is. So the point, so all of those are great points, Mike. The 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 thing that I was going to say, Pete, to to sort of counter or to add more context to what you were saying, but also as a bit of a counterweight to that idea, is that we also saw how a limited Chris Paul, while playing with Devin Booker, made Devin Booker's job harder. Right. Because all because he does have to take on more playmaking responsibility and he does have 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 the ball more. And and Booker at his best is he is the assassin. Right. He is the guy with the knife. He's not the guy who is also laying out the plans. If this was like Ocean Eleven. Right. He would be like he's he is the guy who's going in and actually bringing the bags out. Right. He's not the guy who's building out the entire infrastructure of of what the plan is going to look like. He is the executor of of that plan. And Paul. So Paul, in his way, is a wonderful player all on his own. Right. But what his particular skill set amplifies a player like Devin Booker, because it allows him to play with more freedom. Right. And so the that that to me is 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 what makes Mike's argument like that's more on Mike's side of the argument. Right. It it doesn't devalue Booker as the player that he is because Booker stands alone as what he does for the Suns. There's no other player that can do for the Suns what Booker does. But there's also no other player who does what. Chris Paul can do for for the Suns, even if they do have reserves, not even Booker right now, Paul, to a certain extent, he can say, hey, if I need to turn it up here a little bit, can I get you 20 points in in a half? He he can. Right. But if you tell Booker, hey, go out there and run the entire show and organize things and make things right, like it's not going to quite be there 
right? And so that's why they are so good as a backcourt tandem, right? Um, so that's why I wouldn't quite put Paul up there as like Kawhi, but it's it's to me the margin is more razor thin than than it is like oh well there's a there's a big step there because I, I don't think the step is that big in terms of importance to their to what they do for each of their teams. It's it's just Pete. It's just a big. It's a big intangibles argument, right? Because like right. the basketball it's, eye test stuff is it's it's it, you can never you're you can never actually pick Chris over Kawhi, but there's like part of your your being that wants to, you know, in certain settings. Uh, not part of my being that wants to, but it, like, look, losing Chris Paul is a very big deal, no matter what. My only point is that they've. It is more survivable for them, especially when whomever they play in the conference finals, they're going to be incomplete or dinged up too. If Even if, say, Utah wins the series and Conley comes back, he's not going to be anywhere close to what he is. Mitchell's dealing with an ankle. Like That's the story of this season right now is everybody, even the teams that are healthy, are really not healthy. And it's a, it's a war of attrition that everybody is trying to survive. So I... In that context, I think that CP3 is more survivable than the Clippers, uh, than, than Kawhi uh, being lost to the Clippers. But in both cases, it's catastrophic, right? If 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 they're lost. So anyway, we gotta we gotta wrap this one up. This was a ton of fun. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk some Andre Drummond. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. And we'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block shot. NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Bryant! Unbelievable. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.